Well, we made it through Lent, didn't we? <clears throat> For those of you that are visitors, we spent the entire Lenten season talking about sin. And the reason why we talked about sin was a couple of things. One is, is to demystify it a little bit. You see, sin is not about judgment. Judgment was taken care of on the cross. And so uh, Jesus can say in Luke 6, do not judge, do not condemn. And that's the reason why, is because of the cross. For him, it was coming at that time. So, but the, also, the other thing we argued is that your view of grace is only as rich as your view of sin, okay? So if you have a shallow view of sin, you have a shallow view of grace. So as your view of sin actually begins to expand and grow, so does your view of grace. And so one of the greatest distractions that Satan does for us is to make us think all these little little sins don't mean anything. Ah, it's just a little white lie. Nobody knows. Ah, I only lusted once. No big deal. No, it is a big deal. It is. And so what happens is the Bible tells us that the soul begins to uh, get corrupted, pollute. And so the answer to that is to confess sin. So we've talked about over the last Lenten season about how easy it is just to stop daily and say, I'm sorry, Jesus, forgive me. You see, in 1 John 1, 9, it says he is faithful to forgive us our sins if we confess them and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The opposite of cleanse in Greek is the word impurity, which is a lust of the flesh. We don't desire. We don't desire to say, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Instead, eh, it's just a little white lie. It's not a big deal. And so we talked all the way through Lent that, no, this is not true. It really is a big deal. And how important it is to develop a lifestyle of just humility with the Lord and, I'm sorry, Lord. You know, just throughout the day, sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. I was so stupid and did that. I'm sorry that I sinned. And so we said the Lord's Prayer because uh, today is a different day. We take a completely different turn today because of what Jesus has done. Uh, we are going to say he is risen together, but not right now. We're going to do it during communion. Okay, we're going to say it as a church. All right. And so that uh, part of the Lord's Prayer, we could spend weeks just on the Lord's Prayer. It's so theologically significant. When God himself shows us how to pray, it's worth paying attention to. But there is one line in the middle of it that I want to focus on today. Uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? His wish is that whatever happens on earth has, ha, is the same as what happens in heaven. Now, for us, earth is a, it's a broken place, isn't it? It's a fallen world. Uh, we see corruption. We see greed. We don't know who to trust anymore. Uh, do we trust the press? Do we trust social media? Do we trust our politicians? Honestly, I don't know. I've said to our congregation many times, if you're going to read it, just read it for, for humor, okay? Just laugh at it. I'm glad that God is bigger than all of this. But that's our world that we live in. And somehow, he wants us as Christians to live out in this world what is going on in his domain. So it's important to understand. Okay, earth is our domain. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the... Say it again. Earth, earth right? Uh, Paul says in Romans 4 that Abraham was promised the earth. And uh, what did the angels say? Why are you looking up? He's coming right back. 
Uh, look at the end of Revelation. The new heavens are coming down. So the heavens are always portrayed as coming to us, and that's what's beautiful because earth is our domain and heaven is God's domain. And here's what happens is they kind of blend together. When I was teaching at uh, Colorado Christian University, one of my uh, very last classes, the students had to keep an online journal. And so I was reading the journals, I don't know, about week eight, nine, or ten, somewhere in there. And somebody, one of the students made kind of a disparaging remark about heaven. I thought, huh. So I went, uh, I went to class the next day, 40 students. And I said, how many of you are not looking forward to heaven? Every hand went up. Every single hand. Do you hear my question? How many of you are not looking forward? Every hand went up. And I thought, hmm. I wonder what we've done wrong as a church. And so I said, why not? Talk to me. So the students start talking. And you know what their, version of he- their vision of heaven was? It's an eternal church service. <laughs> so I said, wow, shoot me now. Put me out of my misery. No, wait, don't shoot me. Because then I have an eternity of an ongoing church service. Okay. <laughs> And so we started talking about the picture in Revelation about the new earth and what it's like and the, and the roles and the, and the reason God created us and the jobs that we have. And what does it mean to praise him all day long while we're having fun and doing our work and playing? He made this creation for us to enjoy, okay? This is, this is not our home. One day when all the corruption and greed is gone, it will be our home, uh, but not right now. Not the way it is. And we live in this. And so for us to figure out on earth as it is in heaven requires us to take off these lenses and put on different lenses. In other words, we have to step out of a fallen world and step into, as best we can, a glorified world to see what it's like. Today is the day that Jesus resurrected. And that's what we celebrate. This is a long tradition in the Bible. You go all the way back to Abraham. What did God say? I want you to take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, who I just promised would be the one I'm going to bless the world through, kill him. That doesn't make any sense in our world today. But in the ancient world, before God had commanded not to uh, kill your children, that was pretty commonplace. We don't have whole centuries, our whole cemeteries of children that have been sacrificed to the gods. I don't know if this happened, but I picture Abraham doing this, looking at his neighbors and saying, you killed your children, look what happened. They stayed dead. Watch what happened when I kill my son. Because God had just promised them, it's through this one that I'm going to bless the world. Now take his life. You see, that's belief in resurrection. No wonder he was willing to do it. So what does Hebrews tell us in chapter 11? that Abraham believed that God could raise his son from the dead, so in effect, he received him back from the dead. That's the first case that I can think of where somebody believed in resurrection. And then that began to grow all the way through the scriptures, all the way to the point of Jesus. And what does Paul say? If Jesus has not been resurrected, we of all people are most to be pitied. And so we celebrate the resurrection. It is the cornerstone of our belief. So how do we get from a fallen world to a glimpse of a glorified world so we can't, since we can't change our lenses? Well, in Revelation 
chapters 2 and 3, you have the letters to the seven churches where he says to them, uh, be careful, don't let your hearts grow cold or you're going to be in trouble. In chapter 4, he invites John into the throne room and John gets to take a look at the world as God sees it. I wonder what that was like. I mean, he gave us a description, but it's got to be incredibly more spectacular than what he told us. But then we come to chapter 5, and here's the first thing God says to him. Revelation 5. Then I saw, this is the story of Easter, by the way. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on a throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven and on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside the scroll. So I wept and I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll and look inside. Then one of the angels said to me, do not weep. Don't cry. You see, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and it's seven seals. That's Jesus. When does he open this? Listen to the next verse. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. See, this is the risen Lord Jesus right here. This is what happened on this Sunday morning at Easter over in the glorified side of the world, the spiritual side of creation. This gives us a picture of what it means on earth for us as it is in heaven. So I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits. He went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. For those of you that come from high church backgrounds, liturgical churches, I've said this several times, and those of you that come from low church, don't throw anything at me, all right? Maybe the idea of putting candles in cathedrals isn't a bad idea to remember our people that we love. Listen to this. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. I wonder what it's like, what God hears. You know, we can't pray all the time. Sometimes when I sit on my back deck, and it's warm outside, and I'm on my swing, I'm so overwhelmed and just tired with everything. I try to pray. Just last summer, I laid down. I said, God, I'm just too overwhelmed to pray. The Holy Spirit is going to intercede for me anyway. I'm going to sleep. I'll let him pray for me. All right? I mean, what's, what's wrong with this? If, with the right picture in mind that we should constantly be remembering people, but more importantly, we should be remembering the Holy Spirit's doing it for us. He's doing it for us. And there it is. So here's what these four, God has these four, these four creatures and the uh, 24 elders right around his throne because Jesus just rose from the dead and they start singing. They start singing. Here's what they sing. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. With your blood, you purchase for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. That's us. Why did he purchase us? To make them a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. This is right out of Exodus 19 when they came out of Egypt. 
if you obey me, I will make you a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And you see, that's us. He did this. He resurrected his son so that we would have the privilege of being a kingdom of priests to serve. Okay, a priest serves somebody. Who are we serving? Not ourselves. How about all of creation? What did he say to the garden? What did he say to Adam and Eve? Take care of the garden. All right? What does Ecclesiastes tell us? The righteous care for their animals. How about we're priests to every all part of creation, including each other and including all of our friends that do not yet know the Lord? We're priests to them. So you got this little group of around the Lord just singing and praising this. But it doesn't stop there. Then I looked, he goes on, and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They circled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. So now you've got tens of thousands upon tens of thousands of angels singing and praising God with the 24. So here's the second part of the verse. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. I mean, all of the heavenlies is now praising God because the slain lamb is standing there and can open the scrolls. You see the picture? Well, you think it stopped there. It doesn't stop there. This is an expanding symphony. It's cascading out into the remote parts of creation. So then he says, then I heard every creature, and I picture not only all the animals, but us and the trees, they clap their hands, all of creation in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all, and all that is in them saying, here's the last verse that we sing, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. So think about that. This is an expanding view. If we could take these glasses off and put on our spiritual glasses, no doubt in my mind we would see an orchestra, a chorus of tens of thousands of angels, Hebrews, all the people that have preceded us, the witnesses that cheer us on, all singing. Okay, now, back to CCU. Sounds like an eternal church service, doesn't it? Well, first of all, it's fun to sing. How many of you enjoyed this morning singing with these people? That was enjoyable, wasn't it, right? But you see, we have the ability to do something different than all the heavenly creatures. We have the ability to go about our day and about our work rejoicing. What does Paul say? Rejoice always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Right? And so when you look at the end of Revelation, the nations are coming and going out of, the, out of the New Jerusalem. We're doing what God created us to do. We're doing our work. We're enjoying. He made this so that we have a playground and something to work on, okay? So we go about our work humming, singing. How many of you hum and sing during the, in the car or in the shower or during the week? Let me see. Yeah, most of you. Yeah, yeah. Our job is to give you songs that you can sing throughout the week. <laughs> But, right? You can go on filled with joy while you're doing your work. And so all around you, on earth as it is in heaven, all around you while you're going about your day and you're singing and humming in the shower, in the car, with your friends at home, wherever you are, 
picture tens of thousands upon tens of thousands of angels and all the other creatures just lifting their hands and singing. That's how great our God is. That's what happened today. Resurrection Sunday. The one thing that happened that the world had never seen. It just happened to be our Savior. Praise God. So we have all the reason in the world to praise Him. We're going to sing some more. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for a special day to stop and remember what you have done. A day to uh, set aside just a pause and try to somehow make sense of this incredible mystery that you have accomplished, the impossible, and yet, Lord, so significant for us in our lives. We're so very grateful, Lord, for that. We're grateful for you. And Jesus, we're grateful for you for willing to, willingness to climb up on the cross and have them take your life, give it up for us, and then turn right around and rise from the dead. I don't even know what that's like yet. I look forward to seeing you one day, face to face, eyes to eyes, to feel your embrace. In your name we pray, amen.